Welcome to the Rolling Hills Community Church Sermon Podcast. Whether it's with someone close to you or someone you just met, sharing your faith can be difficult, but our God knows the challenge and His Word contains wisdom for how to meet that challenge. In our current series, Living an Intentional Life, we're learning about the five eyes of evangelism. Identify, invest, intercede, inform, and invite. These five steps will help you to build a biblical strategy for bringing the gospel to others and watching for God to multiply your efforts. We're glad you're listening and we hope this series will renew your commitment to spread the good news. Now let's listen in. Good morning, how's everybody doing? My name is Chase. I'm the family pastor here at Rolling Hills. What an honor and privilege it is for me to be here. So I get to serve on a group of people or with a group of people that are passionate about your kids. They're passionate about you as a parent and raising kiddos and partnering with you on this journey to raise our kids to know and follow Jesus. And what I tell parents all the time is this, you don't have to be perfect as a parent. It's impossible, right? You don't have to be perfect, but what you do have to be is intentional. You have to be intentional as a parent. And so today, we're going to continue this series, Living an Intentional Life. And let me just give you this first point real quick. Good intentions don't always lead to intentional living, right? Good intentions don't always lead to intentional living. And businesses have learned this a hard way over the decades. Asking people what they want is not a very effective strategy for giving them what they want. What do you mean by that? Okay, because if you ask people what they want, what they often do is different from what they actually purchase. They, it's not that people are being misleading or dishonest in any way. They have good intentions, but when it comes to buying that item, they don't actually do it. A good example of this is in the early 90s, McDonald's came out with a healthy cheeseburger option. Does anybody remember what that healthy cheeseburger option was called? Did you say McLean? McLean, that's it. It was the McLean. Good job. Wow. So they, they received customer feedback that said, hey, we want a healthier option at McDonald's because that's why we go to McDonald's is to get healthy, right? Uh, we want a healthier option. So um, uh, they didn't, uh, McDonald's decided, hey, we're going to send out surveys. And the surveys responded. They said, yeah, people want a healthier burger option. So they came out in 1991. They came out with this McLean hamburger. It was like held together by seaweed and soy and all that great stuff. Um, but, but what they found out, they put it on the menu and people went to order. And what did they order? I'll have a Big Mac with a large fry with a large Diet Coke. Thank you so much. Forget that McLean. We didn't, we're not here for that. They, people didn't actually purchase it. So, so what they said they wanted is not actually what they purchased. So businesses went away from survey data, survey-based data, and they started doing data based on behavior, right? Behavioral-based data. And so they, they went from... Quit asking what they want, and so they just model, they just watch their behavior and what they were actually purchasing. They developed new products based on their behavior, not actually what they say they wanted. Is that interesting? All that to say, our intentions may be good, but it doesn't translate to actions. So the question we're asking throughout this series is, how can we move throughout having good intentions to intentional living? There's a gap in between the two. Uh, good intentions over here, intentional living's over here. What's in the middle? What's the gap? The gap is action. 
It's actually taking steps into actually living an intentional life. Jesus called his followers to live intentionally. So how do we do that? Here's, here's how we do that. We invest in what God values. We invest in what God values, and God values people. And God values that all people would come to a saving knowledge through him, through Jesus, or with him, through Jesus Christ. This, this doesn't stop with a group of people, a tribe, a nation. It doesn't stop with, a group, with any of that. This invitation is inclusive. You look at John 3, 16. We, we've heard it. You've seen it. You, you memorized it. And let's just throw it up there for a second. For God so loved the world. That word world is very inclusive. It includes everything, every tribe, tongue, and nation. It wasn't always that way. Let's go back to the Old Testament. The Old Covenant. It was designed for a specific group of people for a specific time in history. The group of Israelites. And then you get to the New Covenant. I'm grateful we live in the New Testament church. Because the new covenant says this covenant is for all people everywhere. For those who put their faith in my son Jesus. And then it says that he gave his one and only son. That's very exclusive. Right? There's one way. And then that whosoever, whosoever is, again, inclusive, believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Here's the thing. Before we jump into this message today, Luke chapter 11, is that if we're going to live an intentional life and live a life that God has called us to live, that doesn't really happen without carrying the message, this message, and this message of hope, and this mission to a broken world. It doesn't happen without that. So today, my prayer is that God will captivate our hearts to take next steps to what it means to live intentional lives that we are forever changed by His words. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We're grateful for today. God, I pray that, again, we are forever changed by your words. Your words are living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. So, God, I pray that you use them to transform us from the inside out. God, you are holy. You are our good. And, God, you have a plan for us and for your church. This is your church. This is not our church. So, God, we give you all the honor and all the glory as we read through your words today. In Jesus' name, amen. So, over the past two weeks, we've been in this series, Living Intentional Life, and we have five eyes. okay? The first week was identify. Thank you. Identify. The second week was invest. So, we identified people in our lives, in our surroundings, then be seeking, maybe searching, maybe looking for answers, maybe lost. We can write those people down in our minds. You have a group of people right now that you've been, you've been thinking about. And then we, next week, we're like, well, how do you invest in those people? You invest in those people in a lot of different ways. And one of those ways you invest in those people is you invest through empathy. Um, uh, scripture calls us to invest in people through empathy, through compassion and generosity and all those things. That was kind of the hallmark of the early church. We look at the early church and we see the early church grew rapidly. I mean, it was incredible growth. Why did they grow rapidly? Was it because they were only sharing, sharing the gospel? No, they were actually living out their faith through compassion and generosity. We go through the early, early church and plagues ravaged towns in the early church or in the, in the, uh, the first century. 
And people would leave these towns and leave people for dead. It would be the Christians who stay back, care for these people, and oftentimes they would die beside strangers or neighbors in that situation. It was their care and compassion that led them to do that because of Jesus. It was in the first century church where the Roman Empire thought uh, it was not illegal for you to take a baby and... Uh, and leave it, um, drop it to the edge of the forest, or drop it beside a river, and leave it for its fate. They, they would just say it's for the fate of the baby. If it survives, it's for fate. If it doesn't, it's for fate. So they would drop it to the edge of the forest, and if animal happens to come by and pick it up, it's because of fate. If the baby rolls into the river, it was because of fate. But if the baby survives, fate. And it was the Christians who would go down beside those rivers and beside the forest and pick up those babies. And carry it in and care for that baby and raise the baby as their own. And what happened was people saw their generosity and saw their compassion and it pointed them to Jesus. And in that, they saw Jesus and the church grew. So it was through empathy. It was through evangelism, like how we invest. It was through evangelism, actually sharing our faith with other people. It was through, it was through example. The Bible says, uh, Jesus said, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Let them see. Let them see so that they can glorify your Father in heaven. And it was through encouragement. It was through encouraging words. Our words matter. And throughout all of the Bible talks about taming the tongue and talks about how your words should be used for words of encouragement and love and generosity. And, and, and so our words matter. Our words create worlds. And our words are important because oftentimes it's in our words how the outside of the church sees people inside of the church and what we're about. It's through our words. So all these things are about investment. But I want to talk to you about something else today, another component of our faith, of living out our faith and extending our faith to other people. And this is a key component in our faith. And oftentimes I believe this is a component that oftentimes gets underutilized the most. Because this component of our faith um, has the ability to change our perspective, has the ability to, to guide our thoughts, allows us to tap into the power of God and impacts those around us. I'm talking about prayer. And more specifically, we're going to get into this idea of intercessory prayer. And that word intercede means to go on behalf of another person, to, to stand up for, to represent someone else. And it's... Here, let me just first of all say, it is prayer. The prayer is what pushes back the kingdom of darkness. When Jesus stormed into the temple and started flipping tables because, because the people were selling goods in, in the temple, and Jesus, like, we're not going to be about this. And Jesus, what did he say? We're, the, my house is going to be a house of prayer. He said, my house is... Not, not going to be a house, not going to be called a house of good singing, good preaching, uh, great coffee, um, cool graphics on a screen, lights. All those are awesome, and we use those for the glory of God and the excellence. But he said, if anything's going to push back the power of darkness, it's going to be a praying church. It's gonna, my house is going to be called a house of prayer. And Second Chronicles says this, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Prayer advances the kingdom of God. 
Let's not miss that. And before we intercede on behalf of other people, I first, I felt like the Lord was calling me today to establish the, the, um, the design of prayer in our lives. Like, how do we, what's the foundation of our prayer point, and how do we have effective prayers? What makes our prayers so effective? Because Jesus leads us to establish a rhythm of prayer. I don't think we can move forward without establishing that rhythm of prayer. In Luke chapter 11, um, Jesus is finishing up his prayer. Like, I don't know how long it was, whatever, but he was fishing. His disciples were waiting for Jesus to finish. And when Jesus finished, one of the disciples tapped him on the shoulder and said this, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. In other words, you pray differently. You have a connection with God. We see that you have power. You perform miracles, and we want to tap into that. Teach us to pray like you. We've seen prayer happen. We've grown up Jewish. We've seen our, our ancestors and their, their prayer life and our family and their prayer life. But for some reason, whenever you pray, it sounds different, it looks different, and it just it's powerful. So teach us to pray like, the, pray like that. You seem to have a different connection to God than us. And Jesus' response was what? He said this, when you pray, say, Father hallowed be your name your kingdom come give us each day our daily bread forgive us our sins for we also forgive everyone who sins against us and lead us not into temptation jesus laid out the design for us and taught us how to pray the design get this this is the first thing the design is meant to change our position so praying should change our position it should change our position. What do you mean by that? He first says what? Pray our Father. When you talk to God, talk to God as Father. Not just any Father, our Heavenly Father. You're in a mind-blowing relationship with Father God. Matthew 18 says this, and he said, Jesus says, Truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of God. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of the child is the greatest in the kingdom of God. And whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. Unless you change and become like little children, it says. Jesus is applauding the mindset of a child. The child-father relationship. When my girls come up to me, I have a six-year-old kit, and I have a two-year-old, almost two-year-old, and her name is Ellis. And whenever they come up to me and says, Daddy, hold me. Daddy, will you snuggle with me? I realize that's not going to happen forever. I'm enjoying it now because they're not always going to want to snuggle with me. So I'm, I'm like, okay. Daddy, will you play with me? That phrase or those, that term, daddy, is such an, a term of endearment. It penetrates the heart of a father, and it, 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 makes, it, it, it moves the heart of a father when you call father. So starting your prayers like this is acknowledging the miracle of the relationship that you are in, right? The miracle that you can call him father. But here's what I realize, and I understand maybe for some of you this is hard because you didn't have a great fatherly figure here on this earth. Maybe you have negative connotations about this idea of father, but I want you to understand something. Even if your dad was not great or was great, anything like that. Lou Giglio has this quote 
It says this, God is not simply a reflection of your earthly, earthly dad. He's the perfection of your earthly father. He's the perfect picture. You may have an ugly picture, but Jesus is so much better and so much greater and so much more. Keep in mind this, as we talk about intercessory prayer today, the intercessory is a prayer, act of of praying on behalf of somebody else. And the only way that we can do that was through an act of intercession that happened for us. Jesus is our intercessor. Jesus closed the gap between God and man in that sin and took the sin away through his death, burial, and resurrection on uh, death, burial, resurrection. And our relationship can be established through belief and faith in him. Because of Jesus, we can call him Father. And through Jesus, we see his compassion, his love, his mercy, his grace, and his justice. So we start with the intimate relationship he has established. And then it continues. Then he says, hallowed be your name. You go from, you move from Father to, oh my word. Oh my goodness, you move from the intimate hug of a father to reverence and awe and wonder and power and amazement. And there's an understanding of the separation between who God is and who we're not. Right? He says, our father, hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. The shifting of power again. This shifts our position because he is God and we are not. Meaning we place God first in a list of priorities before we even begin our day. Before we step into a meeting, before we have a conversation, before we interact with our kids or our neighbors, we acknowledge that we are approaching the God of all creation. The God of the universe. The God that established the foundations of the earth, who knit us together in our mother's womb, who gave us the very breath that we breathed and created the very day that we're in. And if he's done all this for us and he cares deeply for us as a father, then we we can hand over our day. We can trust him with our lives. So the first thing is to establish the position of the relationship that we are in. Okay? And then he says this, your kingdom come. It's like a sequence here. Because the things that we pray, when we pray like this, your kingdom come, it shifts from our will to his will. It shifts from being about the, my kingdom to his kingdom. It shifts from the exchange of of what I want to what you want, God. My perspective changes to being an ambassador of heaven than about me and what I'm doing on this earth. The design of prayer is meant to change our position and our perspective, those two things. And if we can't get those two things, I think, I think our, our, our prayers tend to fall flat because the design of prayer and what Jesus is teaching, he's like, look, whenever you pray, Before you even go on behalf of other people, before you even pray for your own needs, look, your position and your your perspective is so important because you're acknowledging who I am and who you're not. And when you pray, it looks different after that. When you begin to pray for your needs, it looks different. When you begin to pray for other people, it looks different. See, intercessory prayer, we're talking about intercessory prayer now, is one of those things that that we rarely talked about in the church growing up for me. Intercessory prayer in the Holy Spirit. 
Like those are the things we tend to stay away from. We didn't understand too much of it, and especially the Holy Spirit. We're like, okay, I'm, I don't know, but, uh, but let's just avoid the topic altogether. Let's just ignore it and let's move on. But I, I love that we're in a, in a church, in a congregation, who leans into this idea of, of even uh, teaching about the Holy Spirit relying on the power of the Holy Spirit and teaching about this idea of intercessory prayer because intercede means simply to intervene on the behalf of another person standing in the gap, to come near to God with childlike confidence on behalf of another person. E.M. Bounds said this. He said, prayer must be broad in its scope. It must plead for others. And intercession for others is the hallmark of true prayer. Prayer is the soul of a man stirred to plead with God for people. We see this throughout the Bible, this idea of intercessory prayer. The Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy, and he said this, I urge you then, first of all, that petitions, that prayers, that, that prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for, get this, all people. For kings and all those in authority, that we may live peace, peaceful and quiet lives in a godless, in all godliness and holiness. This is good, and it pleases God our Savior, who wants all people, get this, who wants all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. Write notes, you can write this down. Intercessory prayer is not limited to those inside the church. It's not limited to those inside the church. We, yes, we intercede on behalf of one another. Interceding um, is, is a great thing. We pray for one another. But whenever it, it, there's a transition that happens, too, that we pray for those outside of the church because it's a tool to draw people in, in within the church. Interceding for un, unbelievers is this. It's praying a prayer for them that they can't pray for themselves. They can't pray for themselves right now. They don't know how to pray that prayer. So we are praying on their behalf. Not, not that salvation can extend through prayer, but certainly can be the thing that draws people near and close to God our Father. Right, right. The, the prayer might be one of those things that we use as a tool that, that might be one of those things we're praying a prayer that provide me with opportunities to open up, to share the gospel with them, or, or place them throughout their day, moments where they, they experience your love, your grace throughout the day. Change their perspective. Open their eyes to be able to see you, oh God. So we know that God is able to turn a heart of stone into a heart of flesh. We pray because we know that, that God can can cause a blind person to see the beauty and grace of God's love. We pray prayers because we know that he's able to cause the light of the glory of Christ to shine on their hearts, that he did it with us so he can do it with other people. And we pray knowing that ultimately salvation is the Lord's. The night before uh, Jesus' death on the cross, Jesus spent some time praying for his own strength, of course, in, in the coming trial. But he also prayed not just for the disciples, but for other people as well. And he said this in John 17, 20. He said, neither I, I pray for these alone, these people, my disciples alone, 
but for them also which shall believe in me through the word. He's praying for those who have not yet come to know him as Savior and Lord. The Apostle Paul likewise prays regularly and fervently for believers. As Paul, if you read through Paul's letters, at the beginning of Paul's letters, he's always opening up with this idea of giving thanks and praying for those who, who uh, don't know him or, or, or for them to grow in their faith. That's who he's praying. So it's very others. See, here's what I know to be true. Many of you are a direct result of somebody praying. Maybe um, some of you, someone prayed for you to know about God's love and grace maybe more than you know. Someone prayed that Jesus would captivate your heart. Maybe a grandmama. Grandmama who was on her knees every day praying for your salvation. Some of you pray for your kids for a long time, that their hearts would be captivated by the love of Jesus, that their hearts would be completely transformed by the grace of God. Some of your parents have, have poured and prayed over you so fervently. Some of you have siblings that have prayed over you or friends. You have friends, friend groups that just, just have prayed desperately over, over you. Maybe a small group leader that has just prayed over you. And, uh, and as a result of their prayers, you are here today. Think about that. Intercessory prayer is important. And practically, when intercessory prayer becomes a staple in our life, what we see is that when we intercede, we elevate others and their needs. Interceding helps us pursue life that is not self-seeking. Right? It helps us pursue a life that is not self-seeking. What I love about the Apostle Paul, he writes this about Jesus in, in Philippians chapter 2. He says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others as above yourselves. I think our prayer life helps us do that. Not looking on your, uh, out for your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others in your relationship with one another have the same mindset of Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by being, uh, becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross." In other words, even in our prayer life, it's designed to make us look more like Jesus. To put others before ourselves, to intercede for others, puts our prayers in the right perspective and reminds us of the nature of Jesus. That this idea of sanctification we talk about in church world is that the idea of sanctification, that word sanctify means to be made holy. And the word holy means to be set apart. So the process of sanctification is the process of being set apart. After we become Christ followers, we're in the process of being set apart from the rest of this world. We're in the process of looking more and more like Jesus. And I believe whenever we intercede on behalf of others and we put others, we are modeling what Jesus has for our lives. And it puts us in a really great position to serve others. The next thing is when we intercede, we bear, we bear burdens. When we intercede, we bear burdens. Intercessory prayer is an incredible way to bear the burdens of others and love your neighbor as yourselves. Galatians 6.2 says, Carry each other's burdens 
And in this way, you will be fulfilled. You will fulfill the law of Christ. I love this because, because when we bear burdens, it can change how we see the other person. It changes how we interact with somebody. It also changes how we care for somebody else. There are people maybe sitting here today who, because somebody revealed Jesus through bearing your burdens, you're, you're sitting here. Right? They showed up and they sat with you. Somebody showed up and sat with you. Somebody cared for you in crisis. Somebody, whenever you were struggling in, 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 in life, somebody was present for you. Somebody, whenever you were in a dark place and you were in the shadows, somebody was that light that you can see and experience that there's something outside of this darkness that I want, that maybe somebody sat with you patiently and listened while you had questions about faith and you're doubting faith and you had questions about who God was. Somebody sat with you patiently and answered questions, and because of that, you saw Jesus in a very real way. Prayers helps us be intentional with our interactions with others. And I will say this, the next time somebody pops into your mind, I hope you will take time to bring that person before the throne of God. Pray for their protection and provision and that the presence of God in their current situation, even if they can't pray that prayer themselves. That we, we, can, we can pray that prayer on behalf of them. Are we passionate about this intercessory prayer? So the next time somebody pops in your mind, be diligent and pray. Pray whether you're estranged or united with that person or strangers or friends. You never know how impactful that intercessory prayer could be, especially for those who are far from Jesus. The last thing, I'll leave you with this. And then um, what I thought today is that church, all of our campuses, we are ending the service with just a time of prayer with one another. If we're going to be a church that actually pushes back the powers of darkness and the kingdom of darkness, we have to be a praying church. And we have to pray together. And we're going to do that in just a minute. But the last thing is intercessory prayer leads us to participate in the Great Commission. Jesus said, after this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every, every, every town and place where he was about to go. He sent them out as missionaries. And he told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. There's a great harvest. We have very few workers who are actually going out to reap. And then he said, ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his field. Ask him. Ask him for provision. Ask him for more workers. And then he says, go. (laughs) I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or a bag or sandals and do not greet anyone on the road. He said, ask or pray um, to the Lord of the harvest for what? For workers. And then he says, go. I'm sending you. I'm sending you. One doesn't happen without the other. So we can ask, we can pray, we can intercede on behalf of the others, but what should that cause us to do? It should cause us to live our lives in such a way that people can see Jesus. Again, we don't have to be perfect. We just have to be intentional. The Great Commission, go 
Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. That word go means as you go. It doesn't mean like we're going to Moldova, we're going to South Africa, we're going to the Amazon. Those are all great, and we're going to go to those places and be missionaries, share Jesus there. It's as you go in your, in your home, in your neighborhood, in your community, in your workplace, sports fields, wherever it is, as you go, share this good news. We live in a world that, is, that likes to share bad news. We can get in this bad news cycle if we're not careful. But he calls us to, hey, we are different. We are called to share good news. And yes, within, the, within Christianity, there is, there is the good news of Christianity. There is some bad news that sin separates us from the holy God. But, but we quickly transition, but, but Jesus. But through the power of the resurrection of Jesus, you can have eternal life. There are people that, um, that is in our family, that are friends of ours that we see maybe on a daily basis, maybe every, every now and then, and we're looking at them and we're thinking to ourselves, um, maybe we don't, but maybe we should. Will I see them whenever I enter the gates of heaven? Will I get to see them? See, ultimately the reason why we pray for those who have not yet experienced the grace of God is because we want to value what God values, and God values people, and God values all people to come to a saving relationship with Him and know His love and know His grace. So today, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to invite the band up, and together as a church, we're just going to pray. Is that okay? We're going to pray. We're going to intercede on behalf of other people that don't know to pray those prayers. They may never know that you're the person that has prayed for them. For all these years, maybe today is going to be the day where you're going to start praying for somebody in your life, in your circle of influence to come to know Jesus. That you begin to pray that, that salvation would be theirs. I'll say this before we go to our, our time of prayer. And um, I'm grateful to be here. I love our church family. Um, a lot of you have prayed for a building. And, um, and God is answering our prayers right now, right? That we can come up and we see that, that new uh, concrete is poured this week, even though it's raining. New concrete's poured. Things are happening. And we get to experience being in that building sometime soon. It's going to be awesome. We, a lot of you have prayed for that to happen. Our prayer is also this, that that just wouldn't be a space Right, but that space would be filled with people that have trusted Jesus with their lives. And, and, and those people, right now, they don't know who Jesus is. Right now, they, they are far from the Lord. But we as a church, as a praying church and an active church to carry the Great Commission, our prayers in that building will be filled with people who said yes to Jesus as a direct result of the Great Commission going out from these walls and us sharing the good news that God has for all people. So let's pray. Let's just have a time. There's going to be some prayer prompts. I'll guide you in this time. We're going to pray for our families, our neighbors, our community, the world, our nation. 
So you can get in the posture of prayer, however you see fit. And we're just going to go before the Lord right now. So the first thing that we're going to do right now is pray for the salvation of people in your home um, and, and or your family. Let's just spend just 30 seconds praying a prayer of inter- intervention over them, intercession. So now, we're going to pray a prayer of salvation for people in your neighborhood or apartment complex, so just do that now. So now transition to your community, to our community, the schools, sports teams, work, wherever you find yourself, let's play for our community. Let's pray for salvation of people in our city. Salvation of people in our nation. It's and also for uh, our church planner, people we're, we're partnering with for our church planners that we have in Phoenix and Atlanta and, and Miami to reach the lost. That's the end of this episode on the Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast, part of the Rolling Hills Podcast Network. Before you go, we invite you to think about who you could share this sermon with. Click the subscribe button so you can be notified each time we release a new sermon. Did you know Rolling Hills publishes other podcasts too? Check out the Making History Parenting Podcast, Men's Leadership Network, and the RH Women's As You Go Podcast. If you're interested in learning more about Rolling Hills, download our app or follow us on social media or visit our website at rollinghills.church. We're thankful you spent some time with us today. See you next time.